tomorrow is the last day of 2018, and uh, wise people, uh, when we come to the end of a year, evaluate. A uh, wise person will always evaluate uh, his or her life in the uh, old year and make some plans uh, to take opportunity of a fresh start in a new year. And so a wise uh, man or woman will say, well, how well did I do at winning the internal struggles of my life in 2018? And how can I make 2019 a, a year where I win uh, my struggles over anger inside or uh, worry or fear or regret? Um, how can I make the new year, a new year of uh, real hope that brings me interior freedom and joy? And the same goes with the uh, external parts of life. A wise man or woman will say, uh, how well did I do in uh, 2018 at uh, dealing with the external problems that uh, come into my life? And how can I make 2019 a year where I experience victory, even in the midst of interpersonal conflict and difficult relationships, health problems, financial downturns, or whatever negative circumstances may or may not uh, be part of my new year? So right now, Evaluate. Evaluate your interior and exterior uh, level of victory over your struggles in 2018. How'd you do? Well, let me give you some good news. The good news is that no matter how much you experience defeat in your interior and exterior struggles this year, you can be a conqueror in the new year. This is not my promise. Uh, this is God's promise for uh, every Christ follower. It's a promise of confident hope. God promises everlasting hope that will make you a conqueror over your interior and exterior struggles in the new year. So let's study this uh, promise from God that comes through the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Christ followers in Rome. Uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, beginning with verse 31, where Paul writes this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What 
a promise. God's promise is that there is everlasting confidence, which the Bible calls hope, everlasting hope for every Christ follower who lives in the experience of God's everlasting love. Love. It's the experience of God's love that makes you a conqueror. It's love that enables you to win over the interior and exterior struggles you face in 2019. As Paul declares, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Notice the tense of that word, loved. Uh, the word loved here is in the Greek aorist tense, which means that God's love for me uh, that he is referring to here is based on a past event, which of course Paul refers to when he says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all which means that God's love for me is not just some whimsical feeling that God has for me. It's based on the Good Friday event when Jesus died on the cross for me. God's love is based on an aorist tense past event, which means that God's love for me is is everlasting. Uh, it means that God's heiress tense past event love is fantastic news because it means that God's love is everlasting love that is not based on my effort, past or present. It is not based on my promise of good performance uh, in the past or present. Uh, it's not based on anything I did or I've done, but it's based on what Jesus did and what Jesus has done. God's unearned love toward me in Jesus, his grace changes everything. God's everlasting love births within me this everlasting hope confidence that gives me the power to conquer internal struggles and exterior struggles as well, starting with the interior category. God's everlasting love gives me uh, an everlasting hope that conquers shame and self-condemnation due to internal attack. All of us battle with interior self-condemnation. And only true love can save us from that internal voice of self-condemnation. Let me ask you a question that's going to get around to this uh, whole idea. Uh, and uh, for this question, if you're married, think of your spouse. If you are not married, for this question, just for a moment, imagine you have a spouse. So here's the question. What is the right way to respond to your spouse who says, why do you love me? That's the question. It's, it's a moment, it's a tender moment your spouse asks you, why do you love me? 
What is the right answer? Yes, there is a right answer. And before I give you the right answer, let me suggest uh, the wrong answer. <laughs> the wrong answer is to look in your spouse's eyes and answer, I love you because of your family's money. That's the wrong answer. I love you because of the money you make, because of your good. That's the wrong answer. It's the wrong answer because it's grossly materialistic, uh, but it's also communicating to your spouse that your love is conditional. It communicates that if you lost your job or your income or your inheritance, I wouldn't love you anymore. And if you understand what I mean by this, then you understand that it is equally wrong then to look in your spouse's eyes and answer the question by saying, I love you because you're pretty or because you're good looking or I love you because you are friendly or I love you because of your strong arms or because you smell like cookies or something. These are all statements of conditional love where my spouse is thinking, well, what happens if I lose my good looks? What if I'm unfriendly? What if I lose my arms or my ability to smell like cookies? Yeah, it means you don't love me anymore. Answering, answering your spouse's question with conditional love is the wrong answer. It's always the wrong answer because it creates insecurity in your spouse. So what is the right answer? The right answer is to look in your spouse's eyes and say, I love you because I love you. I love you because I get to choose who I love. And out of all the people on earth, I choose to love you. And I will always love you because it's you. And that is the right answer. And parents, communicate this same love, this unconditional love to your kids as well. When your child says, why do you love me? Don't say, I love you because I can claim you as a tax deduction. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say, I love you because you're pretty or because you're nice or because you're smart or because you're funny. Whatever you do, don't say, I love you because you will never fail me. Don't ever say that. Because your child will fail. Everybody does. And if your child fails, that automatically means that he or she looks at you now as someone uh, who considers them unlovable. No, the right answer is to communicate to your son or daughter, I love you because I love you. I love you because you are my child, which means I will always love you for being you. All of us have a wounded heart. All of us have a wounded heart inside that can only be healed by someone, someone who will give us unconditional love. But how well do we do on a human level with unconditional love? We can't do it. None of us can love another human being unconditionally, purely unconditionally, but God can. If I am a child of God, God answers my heart, wounded heart's cry for someone to love me 
just for who I am, to love me unconditionally. And as my wounded heart is gradually healed by God's unconditional choosing love in Christ, I grow to conquer my interior attack of shame and self-condemnation. Shame and self-condemnation are some of the things that crush the hope, the confidence out of me and that God wants for me in a joyful relationship with him. And we know Paul has these things, shame and self-condemnation in mind when he writes this. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? There's that word, I choose you. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. And when Paul says no one, the primary one he's talking about <laughs> is that loud mouth of condemnation in my head, in my heart. This voice is loud. It's very loud. But the Father's whisper saying, I love you because I love you. I get to choose. I choose to love you. That whisper is infinitely louder if I will listen to it. See, I get to choose. I get to choose what voice I listen to. I can listen to that interior attacking voice of self-condemnation, or I can listen to the whisper of the Father. And God's everlasting, unconditional love in Christ gives me everlasting hope that conquers that interior voice of shame and regret and self-condemnation. But that is not all. God's everlasting love gives me an everlasting hope that also conquers anger and fear due to external attack. Uh, when Paul says, in all these things we are more than conqueror, he also is referring not only to interior things, but also exterior things things. I love how Paul is specific about these things. He gives a, a, a list of seven external things that cause anger in fe and fear. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. And you may say, well, that's kind of a weird list. Uh, kind of a weird list of things that make people angry and uh, afraid. Well, it may seem weird to you uh, because maybe your list would be different than Paul's list. Your list might be uh, health problems or financial problems or uh, interpersonal conflict. These are Paul's, this is Paul's personal list. The Bible details of Paul's life show how after giving his life to Jesus, Paul experienced all seven of these hard things. Uh, like brutal persecution, uh, famine and nakedness, which are uh, a poetic term for hunger and desperate poverty. And then also, Paul experienced nonstop brushes with death and death threats. And you can hear in his, his list of these seven hard things, Paul's testimony 
testimony, him saying, I've experienced these hard things. And for fleeting moments, these exterior <clears throat> attacks threatened to separate me from my experience of God's love. But I can tell you that God's everlasting love gives you an everlasting hope that conquers the anger and fear that rise up during the hard things as they attack you. And you might be thinking, where does Paul say that he conquered anger and fear? Well, Paul communicates this through the quotation of an Old Testament passage from uh, Psalm 44, which says, uh, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I love how the Psalms model for us the kind of relationship that God wants with us. The Psalms have this brutal honesty, and that's the kind of relationship that God wants for us, and it's modeled in the Psalms. Well, uh, here in Psalm 44, we have a brutally honest poem about uh, anger with God. The psalmist pours out anger at God and it comes out of this fear uh, that accuses God of abandoning his people to hard things like famine and nakedness and danger and sword. In a voice that's both angry and afraid, the psalmist shouts, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And Paul quotes this as if to confess that just like the psalmist, his experience with suffering as a Christ follower led him to fleeting thoughts, fleeting thoughts of anger against God and the fear that he was being abandoned by God. But then, notice Paul's first words after this Old Testament quotation. He says, no, no. No, he completely rejects uh, this whining attitude. And Paul says, no, I am more than a conqueror over these things because I know something that the psalmist could never know. I know that God is for me and not against me. I know that God loves me so much that he did not spare his only son. I know that God gave his life blood for me. And knowing this, I know that whatever hardship comes to me, it is never, ever a sign that God's love is dried up for me. I know that I am his child and that he will never, ever abandon me. And I know something else. I know that any hardship that I experience in this life is insignificant compared to the infinite love that my creator has for me. His infinite love always overshadows any hardship that I experience. Do you understand this infinite love principle? Paul is saying that I know that I am infinitely loved by my infinite creator. And this experience of this infinite love is so wonderful that any difficult experience that I experience, and believe me, Paul experienced the worst of the worst, is tiny and insignificant 
in comparison. So let's give me, let me give you an example. Let's just say that tomorrow uh, your teenage daughter uh, tells you she's late to a friend's house. And so she scoops up the car keys and uh, runs into your attached garage and uh, starts the car. And uh, in her hurry, she does not put the car in reverse. She instead puts the car in drive, steps on the pedal, and drives into your kitchen. Is that a good day or is that a bad day? Oh, wait a minute, but before you answer the question, what if I also tell you that tomorrow your complaining layabout brother-in-law will announce that he is finally, after years, moving out of your house because he can't stand the mess in the kitchen? What if I tell you that tomorrow uh, Publishers Clearinghouse will bring you one of those oversized checks for $500 million? What if I tell you that tomorrow your neighbor who is far from God says that he's seen your amazing attitude on this destroyed kitchen and now he wants to follow Jesus just like you? And what if tomorrow your teenage daughter will be accepted into Harvard University in England and won't be able to drive anymore? So tomorrow, is it a good day or is it a bad day? If all these things happen tomorrow, for all eternity, will you think of tomorrow as the bad day your daughter drove into the kitchen? Or will you think of tomorrow as the brother-in-law leaving the $500 million winning and the neighbor rejoicing best day of your life? It's the best day ever. Because the ruined kitchen is insignificant compared to all these huge blessings. And if I am a loved child of the infinite God, every day of 2019 will be the best day ever. I can't have a really bad day because the good in my life is so good that it always outweighs the bad. Any trouble is overshadowed by God's love because I know that God's love for me means that he has a good plan for me. And I know that God's good plan for me means that he's working all things together for good, even the hard things. I know that God's love is everlasting, which means that his good plan extends to beyond life today to eternal life tomorrow. And my rock-solid confidence in that eternal tomorrow means that I can have everlasting hope today. If you are a child of God through faith in Jesus, this is God's message to you. You don't need to worry or fear about 2019. You don't need to be angry during uh, 2019, that kind of destructive, ongoing rage, because you are loved by God. And because you are loved by God, you win. You conquer the shame and self-condemnation of interior attacks, and you conquer the worry and anger and fear of the external, external attacks. God wants to remind you of his life-changing love for you today. He wants you to hear it from his own lips through his words, and he wants you to receive it. Not in a global, for the world kind of love, but love for you in a personal way, and he wants you to receive it today in a personal way that changes 2019.
In a book called The Whisper Test, uh, Marianne Berg writes this. I grew up knowing I was different, and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. When I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked. I was a little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. And when my schoolmates wondered, what happened to your lip? I would tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass because somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to be born different. I was convinced that no one could love me. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade who we all adored, Mrs. Leonard. She was short, round, happy, a sparkling lady. Annually, we had a hearing test, and Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class. And finally, it was my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper and we would have to repeat what she said back. Things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? I waited there for those words that God must have put into her mouth, those seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. And that little girl who thought of herself as a reject and a loser, as someone outside, as someone unacceptable, found out that someone wanted her. And that changed her life. That changed my life forever. And if you listen, God is whispering to you now. He's whispering in a way that could change your 2019, could change your life forever. What God whispers is even better than what Marianne heard. God whispers, I want you. You are my child. I chose you. I love you because you're you. I love you with an infinite love, an unconditional love, and there is nothing, nothing, nothing in 2019, nothing in all time or creation that will ever, ever separate us. If you hear this whisper, if you let this whisper just change your life, you will have everlasting hope. He will make you a conqueror for this year, 2019. He will make you a conqueror every year, every day of your life. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.